TTB Music Podcast. Like it. <laughs> you know, I've been saying. Oh, what fun it! Oh, you've saved that, have you? I've been saying it for years that we should bring a bell onto this uh, Christmas edition. Yeah, actually, saying that, I do have as well. Oh, okay. Time, gentlemen, please. Yeah. Well, quite. <laughs> yeah. So the tears have begun. Yeah. And that's not just because we've got a Christmas podcast. Although, this time. Genuine tears. Um, we're, we're recording this as as we slide into tier four. Uh, yeah. No doubt by the time you publish it, we'll be in tier six. <laughs> or we'll be in Goombe Dance Band. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're back again, obviously. Uh with our traditional Christmas podcast, uh, which means we do have a Christmas album, although only one this, this time round. We've had more before. This time the token gesture is uh, Jamie <laughs> Cullum's Piano Manic Christmas. Yeah, just that, just that. Um, but surprisingly, for those who were here last podcast, we're, t- we're taking almost three months to get round to reviewing the Taylor Swift album, and then there she goes and releases another one. <laughs> so, yeah. So we're starting off by, yeah, so we're starting off by reviewing another Taylor Swift album. Um, also, we've got two, speaking of people releasing two albums in one year, we've also got two albums from the uh, band, collective, whatever, Salt, um, both amusingly called Untitled and then with a title in brackets. Yeah. Uh, so Untitled Black Ears and Untitled Rise. And then we've also got uh, Rina Sawayama, uh, debut album from her, and uh, the third album. Third album from Former Carnage. Yeah, the third. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, he's you know he's a niche artist that hasn't done much over the years, but uh, he has a new album as well. But let's start at the top and start as we did last podcast with Taylor Swift. Last time uh, it was folklore. Uh, this time, seemingly she enjoyed that experience so much that her and the Co-collaborators decided to carry on writing and have released uh, two weeks ago a follow-up album uh, called Evermore. Over to you, Peter. Okay. Um, so this follow-up to Folklore, it, it, it was um, released as a, as a genuine uh, follow-up album, not a companion. Um, that the, the press release I saw was very clear about that. Um, but this is certainly a direct sequel, if nothing else, uh, to Folklore, Evermore. Um, my, my initial thoughts, um, listening through it, I thought, I thought oddly, it, it's it's distinct in its own way. And, it, and I think with the, um, you know, as we were saying only recently on our last podcast, in fact, you, you know, the um, it felt that with Folklore, she'd gone very 
very much a dip towards an updating of her roots, but through sort of a folky, back to a sort of singer guitar indie vibe. Um, mm. I felt that Evermore, whilst continuing that, obviously, um, felt more distinct and felt felt stronger. Um, it felt more personal as well. Um, there was in the collection of the songs here. It didn't just feel like, oh, here's the other 10 songs that I couldn't bother to squeeze onto the first album. It did genuinely feel like a, a body of work in its own right. And, yeah. and and then to me, and we'll come to your thoughts, I'm sure, in a moment, um, for me, this felt like a stronger collection. Um, I felt there was more um, of an ability. Um, I, think, I think less... Now, I'm getting my words not a lot. I think the ability here to strip back was more of a strength uh, to th this particular collection and, and def definitely um, a more introspective vision than perhaps folklore, which I think leaned more towards, hey, this is my new album and it sounds different. And again, the way it did sound different was strong. I think here yeah. it felt more comfortable wearing those shoes. Um and as a, as a consequence for me, I, I enjoyed this record more. Um, on tracks like uh, Willow, the, the humour, the Taylor Swift, uh, acerbic humour about fame is still there. Um, you know, yes. when she sings coming back stronger than a 90s trend. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I did admit, I think that's probably one of my favourite favorite lyrics or quotes of the year. <laughs> so much, so much. Represented so much that it's true. Um, whereas on other tracks like Champagne Problems, Tis the Season, also again, very much exploring a regret, um, but also a celebration of our own fame, I think. Um, I also like the line in that, I think it was Tis the Season, my so-called friends who write books about me. Um, again, sort of made me, uh, gave me a wry smile. So I, And it's sort of a Christmas tune. And it's sort of a Christmas tune. So she was kind I think she's minded or mindful of when this album is, is being released. Um, it had that sort of feel to it. Uh, but I also liked, um, I think it's Nobody, No Crime featuring our old favourites, Haim. Um, yes. Uh, long story short, Closure, which is um, great. And uh, and this time I liked the collaboration with Bonnie Bear as well. I wasn't so fussed about... Um, well, I said I liked it, but this the track Evermore for me stood out more than Exile from the, the previous album yeah. with Bonnie Bear. So my thoughts, um, clearly from, from my sort of ramblings, uh, I preferred it. Felt, felt much stronger in, in some ways, uh, although I appreciate you may have a similar or completely different take. Um, oh, God, I hear myself being... I can hear you okay. That's That's good. Good. Do you know, we've done so well, listener. Um, our lockdown recordings. Oh, <laughs> it's just like we've already been having problems. Yeah. <laughs> Setting up this little podcast. Everything's just given up. It's 2020. Um, it is. Uh, I'll ignore the fact that I can, I can hear, hear myself kind of feeding back. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think you're, you're, you're right. It's, it's, the first album was, was 
some ways a pleasant, pleasant surprise because of a slight change of direct direction. But as you say, this is it's a continuation of the sound, but is a definite separate record. It's very, it's very clear from as it's been said, and that it's not kind of like okay, these are the outtakes from the first record. We've just decided to make one of the records. This is a respectively record. That was quite fun. We all got on great. We're still in lockdown. Let's do another one. Um, I, I think I think it's, I think it starts really well. I really like Willow, particularly. I agree with nobody, no crime. I think but really great track, really funny. Um, and actually, on this album, I'm a bit what like you are in a lot of things. When I'm, it's a, it's a classic uh, last bit of album for me. This one. So I think from Cowboy Like Me, which I think is the 10th or 11th track onwards, to the very end of the album, which is Evermore, I think it's just brilliant. The um, rest of the album is very good. Uh, it's just, it's, it's just, yeah. I've managed to release two very, very laid-back but enjoyable albums that are... Uh, and again, on this album, as we said last time, lyrically entertaining, uh, amusing, both in a kind of self-appreciation kind of way, but also in a just general kind of good storytelling kind of way, which has always had that ability in her lyrics. Um, yeah, it's very annoying that someone can basically churn out a couple of albums within three months of each other that are proper albums that are proper good yeah definitely proper good damn her i know i surprised um i surprised my daughter earlier today by having one of these albums on and she's like is that taylor swift i'm like yeah do you like taylor swift I'm like, yeah i think i do and this is before well, actually, we even get into the yeah, origins of our introduction <laughs> to Taylor Swift. <laughs> but also, you talk about the, 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 the timing of the album and stuff. It's interesting, and it links into one of the other albums on the, the pod, podcast, because um, apparently uh, Paul McCartney was going to release Macca 3 on the 11th of December. Uh, and Taylor Swift. This is when this album came out. Yeah, learnt that and offered to postpone the release of Evermore by a week. Oh wow! McCartney. And then McCartney, on learning this, said, "No, go ahead. It's your birthday that week. That's the whole point of you doing it there. I'll release mine on December the eighteenth instead." Sorry. Well, there you go. So we have a uh, connection. Connection on the podcast. Well, Mac has, oh, Mac has released a fair few albums. He probably it's probably an album yeah, every we'll, week of the year. <laughs> I think we'll get to we'll get to Mac later. <laughs> Next up, let's do Christmas. Uh, and Jamie at Christmas. And I don't mean Jamie Oliver. Uh, I mean Jamie Cullum. Um, uh, and his album, which I've already forgotten the title of, uh, Piano Man at Christmas. So, this is our token Christmas album of the year. Uh, it's a 
bit like the Robbie Williams one we did. I can't remember if that was last year or the year, be- year before. It's uh, decided to go for an album of uh, totally new compositions. So 10 new compositions. And um, you have to say it's a jazzy, big band affair. The kind of record normally thinking at Christmas, old side of Christmas, you know, that, those old side of Christmas where you have lots of people in your house, different ages and stuff. You'd be thinking, this is exactly the kind of record you'd want to slap on that would keep pretty much everyone kind of happy and content. Um, arrangements are good, nice foot tapping songs. Songs themselves, as you might expect from something that is uh, all originals, a bit of a mixed bag. But I have to say that uh, Hang Your Lights, uh, How Do You Fly, and the title track in particular, I thought were really rather good. Um, Completely agree. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's genuinely, you've got the, it's, 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 it, it kind of feels like Christmas in a, in a, in a way. Because because I got used to having Buble and stuff like that going on. Suddenly you kind of hear the big band going and the, Trumpets and the and piano, and you're thinking, yeah, this is all right. Yeah, this is quite fun, <laughs> you know. And basically, if you want to break from that's what I call Christmas and Buble, of course, um, you could do a lot worse than Jamie and his band this year. Also, quite not not, not too longer album. Obviously, you could put on a very Casey Christmas as well. But you know, yeah, I thought this was actually surprisingly good. I'd agree. Particularly the Piano Man at Christmas, the title track, which I thought was really, really good. Yeah, and the three tracks you've mentioned, um, plus Turn On The Lights for me, and Christmas mm. Never Gets Old. What you've got here, it's almost, um, it's the second year running we've actually had a, a, a sort of a, comp- a compilation of um, mostly original songs with a few classics thrown in at the end for good measure um by which i mean covers of, of perhaps some well-known christmas tunes um, yes on the extended, on version, the extended yeah. version and i think last year we had robbie williams pull a similar trick um with his christmas album and uh, and like like that effort but actually with perhaps a little bit as you say um more maturity in terms of the sound in some of those tracks, I think we've got another sort of a, an album of original songs, um, which, you know, knocks anything by, you know, Buble or you're tired out. Now that's what I call greatest Christmas album ever compilation out of the park. Of course, by, by the third or fourth week of, um, well, by the third week of, Je- of December, um, you've already probably worn that out <laughs> possibly, particularly this year, if you've had it on constantly since November. Um, yes, <laughs> in this year of years, this July, July. <laughs> when Christmas did really start early. Um, so this is quite a refreshing change of, of tone. And, and as you say, it's unfortunate, really, that uh, most of us will not have the generations roused to, to appreciate the value of this one. So here's to hoping that it, exactly. it gets a few replays um, in years to come. Um, because actually, I think, you know, with this, with this album, you have the sort of return of the classic. Christmas album and and I, and I think we've moved away from obviously reviewing the sort of the annual compilation of covers picked for something more original yes. and this is really I think this is a really good you know album in its own right a bit like as you mentioned you mentioned the Casey album I mentioned the Robbie Williams album I think 
you know, we're starting to see that emerge as a trend now, which is great. Absolutely. That's Christmas done. We'll now move on to, actually, you might as well do them both at once, otherwise it's a bit pointless. Uh, the two albums that came out by Salt uh, this year. Um, again, a mysterious collective, although if you kind of search around enough, you can discover their various members of it. But it's a surprisingly UK-based band, even though uh, the inspiration behind certainly the first album, if not the second album, is the whole Black Lives Matter movement and certainly the very big American, the American kind of soul funk sound going across uh, both records. But anyway, we've got Untitled Black Is and Untitled Rise. Um, so, Pete, I'll pretend I don't know what you think about these records. <laughs> um, <laughs> did, you, did you enjoy these records? Not that we do any preparation for these podcasts, hey. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, I re really enjoyed both albums. I, I listened to them separately and I treated them very much as such because there was something of a, albeit small gap between release. But I think what, what crucially sort of more for the second one, and you mentioned Black Lives Matter already, I think very much the second one feels a more confrontational no that's the wrong word a more a more a louder response i think probably mm. in fact almost certainly uh inspired by and feeding from uh the events of this summer um the murder of george floyd and the, the you know the public response to the black lives matter movement i think the second album in particular really sort of feeds off of that and sort of pushes that um, musically and adds an urgency uh, to the, to that album's message. But um, with the with the first record, I think what probably very harder for a British audience to anticipate, but actually what really comes through an album that is you know production wise is beautiful to listen to. I mean, it really fills the room or or your ears depending on how you're listening to it. Um, and yeah. the opening tracks and stop them, the, the, the sound draws you in. But again, reflecting on, you know, so anticipating events this year, um, don't shoot guns down, um, very much reflects on, on what is for many an old news story, um, which was about to become newsworthy again. And, um, and in other areas of the album, you know, a lot of smooth, uh, sensual grooves, elements of alt jazz, you know, a, a cracking soul album here and there as well, bubbling through. Um, Wildfires in particular, I think it's a brilliant song from the first album. And then, of course, as I say, you get into the more, the more urgent, um, you know, urgency of, um, of Rise, which is, is more confrontational, actually, because it does, it does sort of, pick you up from the first album, which is, I feel a lot smoother, not necessarily slower. Um, and the production here is equally as good, but, you know, again, there's a sort of rhythm through it um, that confronts you and sort of moves you along. There's a that sense of continued movement and urgency. You've got Rise Intently, the track, 
um, yes. very much up to the ante and brings things up to the present. Um, and then you have the march progressing through the beginning and the end. Um, and this sort of drumming throughout the album, it con continues, you know, um, and it only really slows down right towards the end. Um, and in particular, uh, Black and Gold, one of the few um, lengthy, but not really that lengthy instrumentals, which are, which are pepper these two albums as well. So overall, yeah. I was really, yeah, I was, I was really quite blown away by both production and lyrics and clearly the message of both albums put together. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see why both albums have been well received by uh, a broad spectrum of reviewers and listeners because they, they do draw impressively from a broad palette of sounds. You've got you know, elements of pop, your soul, um, dance, gospel, everyday jazz, even elements of what I always feel is slightly insulting, insulting kind of world music, whatever world <laughs> music is. But, but it's like foreign language film, you know, it's got like, you know, like yeah, I mean, something that's in a normal, it's normal to anyone that's, that can understand the language, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, world music, but as you know, kind of Brazilian and kind of um, South American beats and stuff like that, and also some kind of uh, African beats as well. I mean, there's one track, I'm trying to, it's, uh, it's on the, it's on the first one, uh, Bo. Which has kind of like funky kind of Bundu boys type vibe to it. Uh, I think that song is one kind of features like on Kiwanuka, I think. But anyway, that's pretty good. You mentioned Wildfires uh, on the first up, first album as well, uh, which is one of the, one of my tracks of the year, big six music favorite as well. Mm. Um, and I really like the kind of whole thing going through that of the whole, you know, the whole kind of. Thing of people kind of going, yeah, you're killing us, but we're, we're not going to be beaten by, 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 by this. We're not going to show any, any fear, even while people are, people are dying around us. We are just going to stand up as one. And I quite like the message behind behind that. Um, and the song that comes after that, I think it's Sorry I Ain't Enough as well, is really, really, really cool as well. Yeah. You mentioned the stop them and stuff like that would start start the album really good. I, I always like the start of that and the start of the second album. Both have a really good kind of soul funk vibe going on. I think the second album slightly more so. I think for me the second album felt more succinct and focused of the two records. Um, possibly because it was slightly more soul funky and kind of went off into the direction of slightly slightly less um not a criticism of the first first album by by any uh ways or means um there was also a hint for me it's pretty weird of brand van 3000 in elements of the second album oh, yeah. um which again good thing and also the kind of like like college drumming thing that the you get in kind of go team records as well which i really like particularly on uh Strong the opening track on that. Second album also has "Free," which is also one of my tunes of the year. Uh, really great song. Uh, yeah, I like, I like both of them immensely, and uh, the problem for me, I would say, as maybe reflecting when it comes to our 
next podcast that will get hold of the areas perhaps I haven't had enough time to digest them thoroughly. Um, it'd be nicer if if we'd have got on these a bit earlier. If it, if it, if it, if it actually soak them up a bit more. Um, but you know, I've got the rest of the rest of 2020 to do that, and which means the rest of the family can listen to them too. <laughs> Which is actually fine because there's not. There's, uh, I'm just trying to think. i to think if there's any swearing on other albums. Maybe a little bit, tiny bit, but nothing compared to the next album. But um, yeah, so oh yeah, pretty good. Like I said, and also definitely more child friendly than uh, the next album, which is uh, Rina. Uh, Rina Sawayama. Uh, who is a Japanese-British uh, artist, uh, actress, no, actress, model, uh, pop star. Um, this album was described recently on his podcast by Elton John as his favourite album, album of the year. Which is one of the things that made me kind of thought, oh, I wonder what that sounds like. Wasn't what I thought it would sound like, to be honest. Um... But I was also thinking, what does that one know? And for me, quite a lot, it seems, because this is just my kind of record. Um, it's basically a record that kicks off sounding like it's Evanescent. Then goes all Justin Timberlake TLC before then coming back with a riff that most metal bands would kill for. On the, obviously, sing-along, shut the fuck up. Back to the child-friendly stuff. <laughs> um, this was playing in the house the other day whilst me and Sarah were eating our dinner and my other half die came in. <laughs> just, 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 just as the chorus kicked in. <laughs> I did wonder where you were going. <laughs> Everybody sing along now. <laughs> uh, um, and from that point onwards, it's a blend of pure pop and rock lick. So what I like about it is, again, it's it's quite a short record. It's in the 43 minutes long, mostly kind of three minute, three and a half minute songs made a conscious decision for this to be a kind of album rather than just sticking all the songs she's had recorded onto something. Um, yeah. Which I also like, so it's like, no, this is going to have, it's going to have a start and a finish. I'm going to try and put it in an order that actually makes sense to me and has a beginning and end and not just throw kitchen sink in. So I quite like that. Obviously, the fact that the return of guitar, which we've seen a bit of uh, this year anyway, obviously with the Halsey album that we reviewed earlier on in the year, uh, Breed Runaway and others, it's good to see uh, pop musicians showing the rock guitar some love again. Um, yeah. Used to happen in the past, you know, most famously, of course, with Michael and Janet Jackson. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's good to see that once again, people start to go, you know what, there's nothing wrong with having proper rock metal guitars going on with a song. So like that. Um, yeah, just, just a really good, fun record. And also, in whilst I, I talk about the guitars, possibly the best track of the album is a non-guitar track, uh, a song called Bad Friend, which the likes of Madonna and many other pop artists would kill for, frankly. Mm. That's me. I agree 
it's a very um, different, but yeah, familiar. Different that we've not heard it for a while, as you say, but familiar in terms of a pop rock collision. Um, but as you say, I, I sort of picked this up in my, in my notes here. We have listened to quite a number of albums over the course of this year where we've listened to a lot of pop albums this year. We have. Quite, we quite have. a lot, in fact. Um, but we've increasingly heard rock or at least guitar-driven music, whether that's indie or whether it's more rock, as this leads more towards, sort of coming through as well um, in a more traditional sense. And I think there's a, you know, this album's quite, again, it's very quick, it's upbeat, mostly. It's guitar-driven, mostly, but it does interesting things as well. I mean, you mentioned a few tracks there. I, I also picked out uh, Paradise In. I felt that had a very sort of 1980s pastiche to it, which which I enjoyed. Yes. Um, uh, Tokyo Love Hotel just obviously made me chuckle. And um, I, I think Snakeskin, I almost found a little bit abberesque if ABBA did EDM music, if you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. I do know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Imagine if they'd been born twenty years later. Um, yeah, I, I found I found that quite quite funny too. Um, but in a, in a you know well-meaning way, I, 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 those are tracks I particularly enjoyed. Um, I mean, you might mention "Shut the Fuck Up." Which is is very good as well, very good in fact. So now overall, this is a this is a good, interesting album for me. Um, I've probably not rated it as highly this time because actually it's up against some stiff competition. This particular podcast, <laughs> it is up against some stiff yeah. competition. But actually, this is a fairly solid album. Who would have thought we'd get to the end of the year and still be reviewing really good records? Yeah. In fact, that's probably the problem of this year, which we might discuss in the next podcast. But thinking. thinking we may not have done as many podcasts as we as we, as we perhaps should have done this, this this year, but we've reviewed some bloody good records. I think there's been, uh, yeah, well, that's one for next time. But I think the yeah the rate the rate of return is pretty good. So let's finish off uh, with the return. If he particularly went away of, of uh, Paul McCartney, you know, as I said, this is his third album. First one came out in 1970. <laughs> second one, 1980. Been a long hiatus. <laughs> I don't know what he's been doing since, but it's like you know, man's been like taking his ass doing fuck all for twenty years, <laughs> no, forty years. Sorry, it's like forty years. Anyway, yeah, forty years before releasing his third album. Yeah. So here he is, third album. <laughs> Has he got anything left to say, Pete? Is this the difficult third album? Um. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> is it? This is um this is a surprise. Uh, I mean, it's even it's a it's very emergence, I guess, is a surprise. But um, with with a man like Paul McCartney, what else would you expect him to do? Um, with his own locked away in his own private studio, it's interesting in that it it does draw on that more experimental side of Macca. Um, which does come out from time to time. And I feel with this one, it, 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 the title is a deliberate nod, of course, to its, its predecessors in this uh, occasional series of solo outings. Um, and certainly with tracks like 
um, a deep, deep feeling, and and even the opener, the the long-tailed winter bird, um, the one with the very long tail, in fact, it does sort of nod towards those more experimental leanings, particularly of McCartney too. But then you get something that feels definitely more homespun Macca in Find My Way totally. and Seize the Day. And, and the, the fi- I think it's not quite the final. Is it the final track, Winter Comes? Yeah, because it's, it's Winter Bird. Yes. It, winter yeah. as a theme, again, with a nod, obviously, to the time of year and the time this is coming out, but also the circumstances of its recording um, and of a changing of the seasons, if you will. It feels very, winter feels very much a theme and clearly old age mortality, indeed mortality for all of us has perhaps been something that's probably tucked away in the corner of most of our minds this year in some shape or other at some time or other. Um, And that comes out here in terms of, you know, having to, you know, engage in projects and move forward in perhaps not ideal circumstances. So, I mean, for that, hats off to Paul McCartney for once again uh, tapping into perhaps how we all feel. Is it his strongest album of recent years? I'm not, I, can't, I was kind of hopeful, maybe optimistic that this would be the, the sort of the random Macca album, which actually would turn out to be his best album in 10 years. Don't think it's quite that. But then obviously when Macca 1 was released, Everyone hated it, and it's now a Stone Cold classic. So, who am I to say? Well, same with two as well. Both, of them, exactly. both of them were not well. Actually, that's probably the kiss of death because one's actually been reviewed quite well. So, yeah, the, the, the first two were panned and then later revered. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we'll probably everyone's too everyone's too terrified now to get this one wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, perhaps, perhaps. I mean, I, I I kind of agree with a lot of what you said there. I think, I think what I liked about this album. Straight from the off, and you could, you know, it immediately had the, the that kind of relaxed, not giving a fuck vibe to it. Um, in the sense that it felt more organic and not in a, oh, it'd be nice to have another hit again type of record. Yeah. Which was obvious from the fact that Longtail Winterbird, which is essentially an instrumental, although there's a bit of vocal on it, but it's essentially a, you know, five minute instrumental, is the opening track. And you're thinking, you know, that's not how you start an album if you're going to go hits, hits, hits. No. Um, also, I've said, is a fantastic track. But then, to be fair, as you could have mentioned, he then, ironically, then follows it up with his most likely hit in the years, being Five My Way. Yes. Which is, it's textbook McCartney, but it, it's still it's still very good. Um, you then get Pretty Boys and Women and Wives that follow, follow, follow that. I really like Women and Wives. I like the I like the kind of simple piano riff and chord progression on that. I thought that was that was good. Um, middle of the album has the one slightly missed beat, I think, with the lavatory lil thing. Um, whilst this is probably Paul trying to have a bit of schoolboy fun, it's also apparently about former work associates, and he's got on his wrong side. So it seems a bit petty, and it is. Certainly, one of the weaker songs on the record, if not the weakest song on the record. Yeah. But it's followed by uh, "Deep Deep Feeling," which you also mentioned, which is perhaps uh, the best track on the album. It's also the most experimental and challenging piece. Uh, epic, if you like. It's the eight-minute thing with layered vocals, simple piano, 
nice guitar work in it. And it's a really, really, really good song. Really, really, really good song. Um, the other song I wish to mention, which, which I also thought was quite funny in some ways, is one that comes after that, actually, Sliding, which has the bizarre thing of both sounding like a Queen of the Stone Age um, <laughs> song and at the same time sounding like a badly produced 70s glam rock song. It's that kind of muddied kind of guitar kind of going on. Um, but good fun. Uh, yeah, and I, I think, again, it's not an overly long album. I think it's like 45 minutes. And it's really good fun. Just really good fun. And if you like McCartney in any way, shape or form, you'll like this record. Yeah, I agree. I think it's very, in any of his iterations, there is something in here for you. There is indeed. So. uh, I could probably figure this out, but um, I'll ask you anyway. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm about to say that again. Actually, I probably know. I could probably figure this one out by looking at something else. Um, your album of the podcast, Peter. It's a tough one because this is a very tough podcast. To uh, there's something on all of these albums I really enjoyed, um, but for me, I think it's Taylor Swift's Evermore. A very good choice for me. It'd be uh, Rena and her Mad Pop Popness. Yeah, but I also agree with you the fact that actually. Or even, you know, all these albums, including Jamie Cullum's, in its own yeah. way, are all actually pretty good and worthy of a listen. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I, I would say that um, you know, it's a really, really strong podcast. This particular set of albums, I'd encourage a- anyone listening, ha, um, to to check them all out. I can see three or four of them slipping into my top 10, top 15 quite easily at quite a late stage of the year as well, surprisingly. Indeed. Uh, and if you want to find out exactly what Peter and I th- think are the top 20 albums of the year, join us again in about a week's time when we will do just that, plus do our other selection of random awards that we make up on the fly. Yeah. Until then. Do our room. Have a Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. You... Have a Merry Christmas on your own. On your own. In the dark. <laughs> Have a drink for us. Or three. <laughs>